Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And this week, as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you guys ready to talk about some bad movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very ready. Brian is, you know, apprehensive about it. You know, as I look back on this year, I mean, it's you, you could just say that the whole year was just one bad movie. I mean, it's true. But yeah, to answer your question, yes. Let's. I just this. watched Greenland, and I got to tell you, as much as I was mad about 2020, at least we don't have comets hurtling hurtling <laughs> through space at us. Because yes. man, that shit is scary. Yeah, and an unexpectedly emotional journey. I know we're not yes. talking about it this this podcast, but I got a little emotional with Greenland. Yeah, yeah. Gerard Butler bringing the goods. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So. Sometimes I'll, sometime I'll tell you guys about my idea for a comet movie as well. I, I have one. It's called a deeper impact. Uh, no, it's called Galileo's Wake. Okay. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> okay, it took us all of thirty seconds to get off the rails on this one. So, bringing this back, we're that's right, boys and girls. We're talking about the worst movies of 2020. Well. Maybe not the worst movies of 2020, but with everybody doing their best of lists, including many of them by the playlist, which you should check out, we thought we'd talk about the most disappointing films of 2020. So, no, we're not going to talk about what films are definitively the absolute worst of the worst in 2020. In fact, if we wanted to go down that rabbit hole, we'd probably mention a ton of direct-to-VOD action films with someone like Nicolas Cage attached Yes, we're looking jiu -jitsu. at new jujitsu. Yes, you read my mind, Mike. <laughs> instead, we're going to be looking at some films released by major studios that we had high hopes for, but instead they just utterly and completely disappointed us. But before we get to talking smack about some 2020 films, it's important that you know that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. And as always, if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, Mike and Brian, this episode isn't like our typical episodes. This list isn't just the brainchild of the three of us. For this list of 10 films, we pulled some of the folks behind the scenes at the playlist to come up with the most disappointing films of 2020. As mentioned, these aren't the worst films. These are the films that had their parents pull them aside and tell them that they weren't mad at them, just disappointed. So... <laughs> So, in no particular order, we're going to begin. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right. So, yes. first film that we're going to talk about, we're going to start with a film that was supposed to arrive back in 2018, but had its fair share of behind-the-scenes drama, including a studio change and then many COVID delays. Uh, we're talking about The New Mutants. The New Mutants is directed by Josh Boone. It's a 
20th century studios slash Disney slash Fox slash whatever film that was going to be the beginning of a new franchise when it was with Fox, but it ended up being a film that kind of Disney released in the middle of a pandemic just to put a put a pin in the X-Men franchise and move forward with the MCU. So ultimately, it, it's not a good movie. I think we can say that much. But uh, Agreed. Mike, why is this one so damn disappointing? Oh, man, where do I begin? <sighs> it's just kind of across the board bad. Uh, on a plot level, on a character level, on, you know, uh, a superhero film level, on a horror film level. It's just it doesn't deliver the goods on anything directorially, cinematography, music. All of it is just bland and almost unwatchable in that it is the it, it delivers the the cardinal sin of superhero films or big blockbuster action films in that it's just dreadfully boring at a lot of moments. So, yeah, I mean, I like some of these actors, Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams. I mean, there's there's a couple other people that I've seen in other things. Charlie Heaton from from Stranger Things. All these people are very, very capable of delivering solid performances. And I wouldn't say any of them do in this movie. Some of them border on absolutely atrocious. I think uh, part of that also are the accents. The three actors yes. you name are doing accents that aren't their native accents. Even Maisie Williams isn't doing her native accent. Charlie Heaton is doing perhaps the worst Kentucky Fried accent I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. And then you have Anya Taylor-Joy. Thank God for Queen's Gambit, right? Because yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy, if this was the movie that people remember her for 2024, oof. Like, yeah, her Russian accent is it's like awful. Bond villain level. It's It's terrible but yeah continue what else no i i don't really have much else to say because it's so boring and forgettable and just god awful really just bad <laughs> like i didn't invest in any of the characters i didn't like anyone in the movie i was just bored to tears during it and i think we saw this one together we did. i was i I, it, I haven't come close to walking out on a lot of movies but this one i was i was definitely looking at the watch contemplating it yeah, and, and what's interesting about that is is we went and saw it in a theater because we were like, you know, got to support theaters, New Mutants, me and you, I, I, Brian also, I think, are comic book fans as far as the movies go. Yes. And this is a movie that was so bad. We were going to leave the theater after not going to a theater for, what, six months? Yeah. <laughs> just to just to out of protest like it was us and i think like one other guy and i, I he was probably snoring at that point but like yeah <laughs> what a terrible movie uh, the bad part is i think it would be a bad movie regardless if it was released in 2018 or 2020 the problem yes. is, is it was released in 2020 after so many delays after all the behind the scenes drama where you know, it was reported that Fox saw Josh Boone's original cut and was like, this is horrendous. You you got to reshoot most of the movie. There were talks that they were going to add a CGI character that all just kind of they were going to do massive reshoots. And then, you know, those kept getting delayed. And then um, Fox was bought by Disney. And then Disney, I guess, just didn't want to put any more money into it and decided like, OK, Josh, you do you this cut you have. We're just going to release it. and We'll call it a day. And, oh. it clearly, and I agree with Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly, uh, this wasn't an endorsement by Disney by any stretch. I think this was them just saying, like, we can't put any more money in this this 
dumpster yeah, fire. There's no fixing it. There's yeah, no fixing we, it. yeah, we're not going to spend $50 million to fix this movie. So yeah. very disappointing. What a horrendous way to end the Fox Marvel universe, which, <laughs> you know, to begin with X-Men and Brian Singer and to end with the one-two punch of Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Uh, we're talking like old Yeller here. Like it was time to put the dog down. Yeah. I mean, in a way, that's probably for the best. That way, nobody had they they didn't go on on a high note, and everyone's like, "But wait, the, well, let's just keep doing that." And now we can just shoot the damn dog. It's got rabies. <laughs> it's it needed to die. Yeah. Let's let's go get a new puppy and treat it really well. Yeah, and, and to think that at one point, you know, I know they had these X Men movies planned, but like, why not just end it on Logan? What what would have been such a oh. great that would have just put the the nice little cherry on top but no they i tell to you go. why okay. monies yeah, all the monies look where yeah, it got blocked make. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um brian it, it was joked about on this podcast i guess for like three weeks running now that you've rented new mutants you've given your money to the evil disney slash fox regime yep. uh, that's a joke by the way but you have yet <laughs> to take the plunge that must speak to how bad this movie is that you will pay for a movie and just like not watch it Absolutely. And you're you're right. I did uh, shell over my my hard earned several dollars for a 30 day rental that I'm sure is going to expire very, very soon. And and quite frankly, I I, I don't care. Will I <laughs> will I watch this movie eventually? I guess that's a hard maybe. But maybe on the USA Network or something. Like well, that. it's got to be on Disney. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even then I would have to be doing something else such as vacuuming or i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know but yeah you, you guys are are absolutely right when i i think i watched uh the honest trailer of this and i heard the accents for the first time and just was oh god I, I'm, I'm rubbing my forehead right now with just how amazed i was and this was just from a just from a, a trailer that was making fun of the movie so i yeah, yeah it, it it looks Sounds horrible. I know it, it's wrong to pass judgment on a movie that I have not seen. I really should see it, but it just it just looks unpleasant. It really looks unpleasant. It's just such a shame that this is how it all had to end for the Fox yeah. Marvel Universe. But Not with a bang, but with a new mutants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not with a bang, but with Anya Taylor-Joy's horrible Russian accent. <laughs> okay. Believe it or not, New Mutants is is probably not the most disappointing movie of 2020. It's we definitely got, up there, though. It's it's <laughs> top 10, so says the playlist. So let's keep going. Yeah. Next on our list is an Oscar contending film, believe it or not. In fact, not even Oscar contending, but there are people that think that this movie will definitely land an Oscar for at least somebody in the cast. We're talking Hillbilly Elegy. This is directed by Ron Howard. And the the people I were I was alluding to were Glenn Close and Amy Adams, who aren't the lead roles, but they are the I guess the biggest roles. Yeah, biggest supporting roles. Yeah, and these are two actresses that have have been kind of perennially always discussed for awards. Uh, Amy Adams, I don't believe, has even won one. She's been nominated. Uh, a bunch of times and this was going to be the movie with ron howard and those two and it's like a, a hit book this was going to be the movie that was going to be like sweeping the oscars and 
unfortunately, it's not good. <laughs> this is a movie that was, it kind of defines disappointment. You've got all the things going for it. And then it really kind of, the reviews started coming out and they were terrible. Uh, we'll go to Mike again, you know, big picture here. What do you think is the biggest disappointment of Hillbilly Elegy? Uh, I mean, the biggest disappointment is just, you know, I, you mentioned it. It's the prestige of it, the expectations of it. Ron Howard, Amy Adams, Glenn Close, uh, even the uh, the kid that plays the main character, Gabriel Basso, I believe it was. He was in an amazing movie called The Kings of Summer, oh, um, about yes. 2013, and I, I absolutely adore that movie. So uh, I give a lot of things with him a shot at least. And, you know, he wasn't terrible. I wouldn't even say Glenn Close or Amy Adams were terrible. They were just it just reeks of this is my Oscar movie. So uh, you can see that see everything and everybody really trying to make this kind of like a heartstring puller when everything's just kind of middling in it. For me, I, I know there are people that are like Glenn Close is the worst acting of her career. Amy Adams is absolutely atrocious. For me, it wasn't even that. I think they did serviceable jobs with their roles, uh, especially when you look at the uh, the pictures they show at the end of the movie. Like they are spot on to to who those people are. But man, it, it's kind of all over the place, and you're not necessarily hooked for the whole journey. It's just kind of like uh, good luck making it the whole two hours. But yeah, uh, it's just bland for me. And we're talking about a movie kind of like Brian's uh, New Mutant story. This is a movie on Netflix that we could watch at any time. We're all subscribers of Netflix and it's a chore. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> this is like, you know, the cough medicine in a, in a movie. This is like you got to you got to take it. We got to watch it. You can't, I mean, it's got Glenn Close and Amy Adams, right? But like nobody wants to. It doesn't taste good. And, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that is such a shame because for those who don't know, Hillbilly Elegy is based on a memoir by this guy named J.D. Vance. And it tells this story about kind of growing up in Appalachia and, you know, his mother's a drug addict and his his mama is like, you know, this like matriarchal character and you know, it has all the makings, and I think the book kind of aims to do this better, but the movie has all these makings of this, like, societal commentary on, you know, uh, poverty with respect to people in Appalachia and, you know, uh, all this sort of stuff. And and absolutely, the movie just doesn't touch that really at all. So it, it doesn't have anything on its mind. All it is 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 almost like this snl version of like a oscar bait movie right it's like <laughs> amy adams and glenn close are doing these just huge performances yeah, yeah capital a acting right our review from jason bailey and this is a quote from it says this is the prestige picture equivalent of a michael bay movie when it's <laughs> yeah he says when it's non-stop to action or in this case non-stop conflict there's no time or opportunity to create characters of any consequence and i think what he means in, in that, and, and he talks about it more in his review, which is really worth uh, reading. He calls the movie noxious, which which is pretty damning. But he says that, it, you know, this movie has kind of a back and forth flashback to present day structure that goes from like set piece with yelling to set piece with crying to set piece with, you know, yelling again. Like it's just it's constant, like, you know, almost like vignettes of Oscar clips. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's a problem. Brian, 
when you hear that something is the prestige picture equivalent of a Michael Bay movie, is that going to excite you to to flip on Netflix? Absolutely not. <laughs> to be and, honest, and this, if I hadn't seen it already, I think I might have to watch it at that point. Yeah. Just to understand what the hell that would look like. That that actually is is well said. Yeah, and you know, with this is another one where I I cannot you know speak uh, positively or negatively until I see the thing. But I just remember being really turned off by the poster Um, (laughs) with with all of them just kind of in these weird poses and uh, standing by a truck. Yeah, Yeah, they they all looked like didn't look real. I don't don't know. That does not happen very often where I see some sort of promotional marketing thing, you know, that's not a trailer. And I just that is what does it for me. Some of the Marvel films I almost wrote off just because, like the original, like Spider-Man: Homecoming, I thought had oh, one that of the worst posters legendary. Ever. Yeah. yeah, but this one too, I just was like, these don't even look like real human beings. It's too bad because, yeah, Mike, the the level of talent in this cast is is pretty outstanding. You're right, Charles. We could watch it in about you know two or three seconds, and I just can't bring myself to do it. I just can't. <laughs> And, and and this is a movie that's – I wasn't kidding. People are saying that either Amy Adams or Glenn Close or both will definitely get yes. uh, Oscar nominations. And people are assuming that this is kind of Amy Adams' career Oscar moment. Like mm-hmm. this is the movie that they're going to give it to her. And and people are so disappointed in the movie. There's actually like people actively campaigning on, on social media saying, please, please don't – give it to her for this movie right like yeah. it's it, you know it's a it, not a great movie when when you got people who are like hoping amy adams doesn't win an oscar <laughs> speaking of movies oscar nominated movies kidding <laughs> the tax collector this is a david ayer movie and for a lot of people just saying this is a david ayer movie is enough for them to understand why it's on this list this is a, a director who has directed a bunch of edgy quote-unquote cop movies and crime movies right he also directed suicide squad which uh you know if you listen to his social media he didn't really the he doesn't really endorse the final edit but uh he's he's a specific filmmaker that doesn't have a very great filmography but the tax collector seems to be all of his worst impulses put on screen we're not going to get too much into this because basically all that really needs to be said about this i think is that This is a Shia LaBeouf movie where he plays a man of unknown origins, but for some reason has a Latinx accent and says things like sup homes and he tattooed his body creeper. Yes. Yeah. Well, (laughs) not that doesn't age well considering um, the most (laughs) recent allegations against LaBeouf. But yeah, he, he actually tattooed his body for this movie and, and going back to Jason Bailey, who also wrote a review for this. And I'm starting to realize, I'm sorry, Mr. Bailey, we should not get you to review these movies. (laughs) He called it a repugnant, hateful piece of work. Mm. So yeah, not a good movie. Any, either one of you guys have any quick thoughts about tax collector? Well, the thing is, you said Shia LaBeouf was the main character. He is not the main character in this movie. He is a side character that barely gets screen time in comparison to the main character who is just wholly uninteresting. Right. So, man, it is just, yeah, a misfire as far as plot goes. Even my wife, who doesn't really care about 
you know, uh, if a movie is kind of middling or, you know, sells itself short here and there, you know, it's just kind of lazy at times. Even she turned to me and was like, man, this is really sloppily written and put together. I was like, yes, (laughs) this movie (laughs) turned your wife into Roger Ebert, huh? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it has to be bad if if my wife is is rolling her eyes at it. So I think I think for future film reviews, we got to you know give a, what a does scale yeah uh, mike's <laughs> wife's scale so yeah brian any thoughts on this no and the thing is like there definitely has been a shia labeouf phase for me where i i've been all in on all of his films and i've gone through another kind of a, a valley where i i just haven't really cared for him and I, I don't know he's he's been somebody that when he's good he's great almost untouchable and this one again, like just, I don't know. He it, it, he just looked pretty offensive. It like, <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah. that's pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there's something very wrong about what I was seeing just from ju- just from what little I've seen in this movie that I, you know, well, he I, was he was basically go, playing David Ayer is, is what he was. He yeah, was the, that, the white guy I, that I, grew I, up in the Latin culture. Yes, and it's just it's it's yeah. It wasn't I, good. I highly recommend if, if people out there are interested in reading more about David Ayer, do a quick search on our website because we have written over the last year, I want to say three essays about David Ayer, two about previous films he's done, and then one where we talk about his quote unquote propaganda. He's got a a very distinct style and tone and message when it comes to cops in movies and, and criminals. And normally the criminals are are just like you know, straight out of casting stereotypes. And uh, yeah, so watching it, knowing the full David Ayer of it all uh, really kind of opens your eyes to that. But moving on to another movie that is horribly offensive. (laughs) 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 We've got Coffee and Kareem, which is directed by Michael Douse, which uh, you guys will enjoy this. Uh, He's the director of Stuber. Oh, that that's is uh, yeah this is making a lot more sense now yes um <laughs> we all have we have stuber stories i believe all three of us saw stuber at a screening together mm-hmm, and left yes. thinking like what the hell did we just watch well that <laughs> we movie stubed. yeah that we got stubed that movie is citizen kane compared to coffee and cream um i <laughs> reviewed this movie it's a netflix film and it is terrible but the the reason why it's terrible isn't so much the the premise of it because if you've seen 48 hours or any sort of like buddy cop movies you you kind of know the story of coffee and cream and and just ripping from that doesn't make it terrible the problem and and why it's so disappointing is we had ed helms who i'm a huge fan of the office that's the nard dog and (laughs) he is absolutely terrible in this movie you have betty gilpin in this movie you have actors it's a lot of character actors admittedly Mm-hmm. But there are people that you're like, oh, that person's great in this. That person's great in that. And then David for, Alan Greer. Oh, yeah, David Alan Greer. And then all of a sudden you see them together and you're like, this is terrible. It's, it, you know, it's like if you put peanut butter and chocolate together and realized it tasted like tuna. This is it just for some reason doesn't work. And I think the reason is the writing and the direction for myself. When you just to give a quick backstory on this movie. It's about Officer Coffee, who's uh, Ed Helms, white guy straight out of an Abercrombie ad. Uh, actually, more like a uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd yeah. say more Maybe like, like a Jason Penny ad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's 
he's the SNL version of a white guy. Yeah. Mr. And then Cat. you have, and then through some hijinks, he's teamed up with a preteen named Kareem, who has a mouth like a sailor, as they say, loves talking about the size of his penis. And they just team up to take down drug dealers. And it is on almost every level a failure. There's a scene where Officer Coffee takes young Kareem to a strip club in the middle of the day. Again, this kid doesn't look like he's 18. Very tiny kid. They pay a dancer to talk to the child to help him overcome his fear of women. And the scene ends with the dancer agreeing to show the kid her vagina for $5. (laughs) And and you're supposed to laugh and just it's it's not funny. That's all I can really say about it. Anything yeah. you guys guys say? I will say the same thing I said off mic earlier when we were kind of going through the list here. Uh, the one person that deserves praise in this movie is Betty Gilpin. And I know she's on a couple of movies that are on this list tonight. Yes. Betty, you are not a bad actress. Oh, you are just in very bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and unfortunately, they went ahead and canceled Glow season four. So, like, yeah, she's great uh, in that, too. Ugh. The the thing with Betty Gilpin is, you know what? Spoilers. I don't care. She ultimately is revealed to be a bad person in the yes. movie. But in she the first a really like, fun bad person, at least. Sure. But in the first five <laughs> minutes of this movie, I guess because they want to be like edgy in this movie, they have the woman make me two jokes. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be like, oh, damn. And instead, it's just cringe, even with. The the great Betty Gilpin delivering the lines. It's great. it's just bad. Brian, I, I don't blame you for not watching this movie because I don't think you have. No, I don't think very no. many people listening to this will be like, coffee and cream, what the hell is that? Uh, I'll have you know, full disclosure, this is just a movie I had to talk about. So any, any thoughts, Brian? Uh, I'll even let you talk about Stuber because uh, another reason why this movie stinks so bad is Michael Dowse has done two films in a row where he thinks that horribly gory action should be <laughs> right alongside dick jokes um, <laughs> See, i don't disagree with that i disagree with the execution and how bland the structure he he plots both of these movies out in which is basically the exact same movie with different characters yeah oh, God. uh it's just tired like extremely tired buddy cop tropes that we've seen over and over and over and over again and we don't need any more put mm-hmm. a new spin on it for once and and find something original instead of just shifting which characters are are saying the funny ones and which ones the straight guy. I'm I'm just sick of this movie, man. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> sick of this movie. <laughs> and he's gonna make more of them too. He's probably got another Netflix movie where other two other people are buddies and they're oh, on absolutely. a quest to stop a drug deal. And, and one of them's a wise ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's such a like well worn like we've seen this movie so fucking many times since the 80s and even even people seeing this for the first time i can't i just i'd be shocked if they thought it was good yeah if you guys want to see a good version of this movie just watch 48 hours i think i say it in my Uh, review there is like funny enough eddie murphy isn't that old compared to this kid in 48 hours i think he was maybe 21 when that movie was made and yeah, I mean, it's like watching Hamlet, like compared to, to Coffee and Cream. It's just unbelievably bad. But OK, moving on, because <laughs> I could talk an hour or more just about that movie. But really quickly, I want to want to get through a couple of these. We got The Last Days of American Crime, 
which again, people are probably like coffee and cream scratching their head. They're like, what the hell is that? Well, let me remind you. It was a Netflix movie directed by Olivier Megaton. It, you know what? I'm just going to hand it to Mike real quick. Do you want to tell me <laughs> what you think this movie is about? Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So basically the government figures out like some kind of frequency or some shit. I don't know. I was, I could barely hold on to this plot. Basically they figure out how to make people stop doing crime. Like when they think about it, this like frequency or whatever will stop them from doing it. And everyone's going to get this. And this is about the last days before that or some shit. And it's just about the worst thing you've ever seen. It's like, it's just terrible movie. Like I know I shit on uh, the new new mutants earlier and the tax collector for being just batshit awful but this one takes the cake as far as like bad acting and like horribly long runtime. this is a movie that should be like an hour and a half and is two and a half fucking hours yes. i will admit yeah. i did not finish it but this parts what i saw was just terrible that's so a good segue to say about this yeah that's a good segue to uh this quote from andrew crump's review of the movie which you can find on the playlist he says and uh it's a, a few sentences so bear with me here from top to bottom the last days of american crime is a lumbering referential malfunction nothing about it works everything about it is offensive but megaton's worst offense is his indulgence the last days of american crime clocks in at 149 minutes an hour less than martin scorsese's the irishman and yet twice as long to endure all the same <laughs> he says it takes effort to make a movie drag this hard but megaton finds a way to fill the space between cuts dialogue and scene transitions with dim-witted oblivion padding a story that only deserves an hour and a change of screen time may this be the last time he's allowed to commit a crime this outrageous <laughs> yeah yeah that is uh spot on yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the reason why it's almost disappointing isn't because it's just a bad movie. Again, this isn't the worst movies. But Megaton did uh, Taken 2 and Taken 3. This movie actually has a, a fairly decent cast. I believe Michael Pitt is the main person in the movie. He's uh, the main bad guy. Right. And Michael Pitt, I think, is an underrated actor when given the right yeah, sort of I'm, I'm a fan. stuff. Not in this uh, movie, though. <laughs> this has also has, yeah, yeah. This also has, like, Edgar Ramirez in it. Charlton Copley. I probably pronounced that horribly wrong. Yep. Anna Brewster, Patrick <laughs> Bergen. I mean, again, this is a guy who did Taken 2, Taken 3, Columbiana, and Transporter 3. So of those movies, at least you expect something fun. Instead, like Mike says, you get something horribly boring, and we're moving on. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Now we're going to talk about a movie that wasn't boring but is pretty crazy nonetheless and holds the rare distinction of being the last movie I saw in theaters before the pandemic that we're talking about Vin Diesel as bloodshot in bloodshot. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Vin Diesel. This is a superhero movie that was supposed to kickstart the valiant cinematic universe, which is a behind Marvel and DC, probably the third most popular shared superhero universe. Bloodshot had all the makings of being the movie that could really put it over the top with Vin Diesel, who's, you know, the star of Fast and Furious, which is one of the biggest franchises going now. But all it is is a very just subpar superhero movie because Vin Diesel doesn't like to get punched on screen. It, it is, <laughs> it's famous in his contracts for Fast and Furious that he's not allowed to lose a fight. 
and the punches between him and his co-stars have to be like counted out so that they have the same numbers or Vin Diesel comes out on top. It's ridiculous. But this movie is directed by David S.F. Wilson, who does his damnedest. But when you have Vin Diesel playing an invincible superhero, the result is a very boring and stupid movie. Would you guys agree, Brian? Oh, yeah. Um, And actually, I. I didn't know until very recently that uh, Jeff Wadlow uh, helped yeah. write this movie, and his track record has been uh, atrocious. Atrocious, yes. <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> Island, which uh, some would put on this list this year, but we're we're Kick yes. Ass Two, yes, Kick terrible two. movie, a movie uh, that Jim true. Carrey, who yeah. stars in it, even won't recommend. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's terrible. And I'm I'm glad you said the the mentioned the Valiant Comics, you know, universe. Uh, tie-in and everything because i actually did uh have an appreciation for a number of valiant characters and i was happy to see for example uh turok dinosaur hunter become a video game at one point so i knew who (laughs) i knew who bloodshot was and i just remember thinking they're they're gonna screw this up somehow they're going to screw this up and as soon as i i i mean i did see the movie eventually (laughs) unlike the other films we've talked about here but as soon as that trailer started, I knew that this this is they've complete the the bobsled was upside down. We'll, we'll put it that <laughs> way. Um, and then yeah, it, it's funny because the cast is ranges from okay to could be great. Guy Pierce is in it, and I I'll always you know bow to the throne of Guy Pierce. He's basically playing uh, the same character from Iron Man Three, though, right? Character from Iron Man Three, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just was very, very bored. This this just was very boring. I I, yeah. I was not. It, it it's not that it took effort to get to the next frame of film. It's that I just didn't care one way or another if my computer shut down or if it kept going. Eventually, this movie is going to end, and then I'll get on with my life. So that's my quick review of Bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Yeah, and the thing is, they didn't even kill the franchise. Vin Diesel recently said that this, the the sequel to this, is going forward. So if apparently, it must have this, done well enough. Here's what I'll DOD. say about Vin Diesel: that man can will a franchise into existence. He's done yeah. it for more than a decade with the Riddick films. Like apparently, he's <laughs> trying to film yet another Riddick movie. Even after mm-hmm. like just nobody watches them, he did it with Triple X also. And now I think Bloodshot. He's he's I don't know Vin Diesel, uh, and Mr. Diesel seems like a very nice guy. But what he doesn't lack is ego. (laughs) He (laughs) believes that he is the coolest guy in the room, and he believes that every film he's part of needs to succeed come hell or high water. And I I think he might will into existence a bloodshot too, but I do not believe the Valiant universe is going to uh, spin off from this movie. It's going nope. to be about as successful as Valiant Comics itself. Yeah. <laughs> I like Valiant Comics myself. I do. I think they're pretty well written. If you're not a comic book nerd, this might not interest you. However, if you guys liked Arrival, the writer of Arrival, mm-hmm. uh, who I, I think he was either just nominated for the Oscar or ended up winning that year. I forget. But he kind of helped relaunch the Valiant universe about five years ago. And... He did really good work. And Bloodshot has all the makings of uh, an interesting character, except when you have Vin Diesel as him and he's unable to lose a fight. And the coolest thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe characters and and just superheroes in general, I think, are when they're not great. 
You know, like we love origin stories because we like to see our heroes kind of rise above and, and fail at first and then finally come into their own. But from the opening shot, uh, no pun intended, like the character he's playing is just like the best soldier ever. And that's boring. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a pretty bland. You've seen it all before. Superhero origin story. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's not because spoiler alert, they throw that up on its head where they try to like flip the script on the superhero or yeah. they do nothing with it. But yeah. <laughs> surprise Any last thoughts about bloodshot. I give no shits about bloodshot. Mm-hmm. Blood shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Let's talk about another movie that could have spawned a franchise and, and definitely isn't. We're talking Doolittle. This is the Robert Downey Jr. vehicle from, I guess, January or February. It was pre-COVID, so it felt like 10 years ago. But this movie is the the famous Dr. Doolittle story, but it kind of, I don't know. It, it, I'll let Mike take this one. <laughs> Where does Doolittle go wrong? Uh, everywhere? I okay. don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's it's so confusingly bad with all of the talent involved and uh i mainly say talent meaning robert downey jr but even he is really bad in this movie what's with his accent yes what's with the accent and what's with every single line of his being voiceover like uh like and it's noticeable yeah we can we're gonna i'll I'll, that's a good segue because let's talk about the behind the scenes of this movie The reason why, and this kind of harkens back to New New Mutants, the reason why this makes it on the list is this is a movie that had everything going for it. Not just Robert Downey Jr. This has an incredible voice cast voicing the animals. Um, And it's directed by Stephen Gagan, who is a, a big deal filmmaker, right? But apparently when this movie was made, Universal saw a cut of it and was like, absolutely not. This is terrible. (laughs) And they went to try to fix it. And it was revealed back in January after this movie flopped that the studio apparently went to Seth Rogen and said, hey, can you add comedy to this movie? Because it's not funny. Seth Rogen said, "Um, too busy. Pass. They went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's how he said it. He's making pottery. He can't be bothered. So then the studio goes to Lego Batman filmmaker Chris McKay and he started working on it like they were trying to get him to do new scenes, make funnier scenes, more animals, all that. But then McKay got offered another job. So he had to leave. So then they ended up calling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles director Jonathan Liebsman and said, hey, can you come here and try to save this movie? And he worked with Gagan and RDJ to try to make this movie work, but it just absolutely didn't. So you're talking about voiceover or not voiceover. I'm sorry. You're talking about ADR lines. Yeah. We're talking about like accents that don't make sense. Talking about scene transitions that don't make sense. All of that probably could come down to the fact that Universal went through a laundry list of filmmakers to try to save it. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it definitely feels like a product that was made by committee and no one got their way it just it's so sloppy and there's so much money on the screen like you can tell they spent a ton on it and even so it's still just so sloppy mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the legendary and and well talked about dragon fart scene which um, is the end <laughs> yes 
Yeah. I mean, uh, spoiler alert for this movie. The movie ends. You're not missing anything. If you the movie this. ends with a dragon dragon fart being the climax. Yes, very much so. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's sandwiched into the climax. Like, there's no need for it to be there. But someone stood their ground on this, and I I've heard it's Robert Downey Jr. said that this scene is going to kill, and everyone's gonna love it. And it just feels sandwiched in there, all for a dragon to fart in Robert Downey Jr.'s face. Which it's great to know what his fetishes are, but it is a terrible scene in the movie. Yeah, Brian, you have kids. Did you watch this with the kids? Did they laugh <laughs> at the dragon farts? No, I, I I didn't want to put them through that. And like, um, <laughs> I I seem to recall the thing that really got me interested in seeing this movie was wasn't there some crew member who like blew the whistle on, <laughs> on, on their experience on how, like the, un, the unpleasant experience of making the movie. Like, didn't that happen like right around the release of this film? And I, I remember that was what really got me like, okay, now I have to see this. Cause <laughs> I mean, after what happened with fantastic four and the Josh Trank drew that one through the dragged that one through the mud, you know, like a day before it's release, obviously I'm going to want to see, what this is going to be. And I didn't mind the, the Eddie Murphy versions. I really didn't at all. And I wasn't going into it expecting that it was going to be like that, but no, I would not show this to my kids at all. I don't, I don't know who I would show this to. Uh, I will say I did sit my kids down when I I watched it and they, they walked out, they got (laughs) bored and left. Wow. So yeah. Have they returned? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was the last I saw of them, actually, come to think of it. <laughs> Damn you, RDJ. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, you bring up a good point. I forgot all about this till you brought it up. But back in October of 2019, months before this movie, well, not that many months, but several months before the movie hit theaters, there was a uh, an alleged, we got to say alleged, crew member who went on Reddit and wrote like this incredible story description of some things that have that happened behind the scenes and i'll just i'll read some of this they said it was deep in production hell last year they started filming scenes before they had even planned where the animated animals would be standing it was nuts and then the batshit director went and got fired which was a little too late after his insane outbursts and subsequent banning from the stepping foot into both the lead concept department and the pre the lead pre-visual animation department then he demanded that the pre-visual department be fired because, quote, we can't figure it out on the day. Yes, yeah, Stephen, you can figure it out where five plus an- animated characters and Robert Downey Jr. are standing when you have 30 individual camera shots t- to a film on a Monday morning, you fucking moron. <laughs> Not what you want your crew members to say weeks before a movie comes out, but Ooh. yeah. So yeah. do little bad. It did pretty terribly at the theaters well we're not gonna this is not a new do little did little oh boy yes do little did little we're not gonna see more of this sorry robert downey jr this was not the post avengers launch you were hoping now we're gonna move on to a movie that we're just gonna briefly talk about it's a recent release actually on netflix called the prom directed by ryan murphy this is a musical based on the popular musical of the same name about a lesbian girl teen girl who wanted to take her girlfriend to prom but the town or city or whatever said no led to some people from out of town coming in and blah 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 hilarity and music ensues 
And I guess that all that needs to be said is that this is a Ryan Murphy movie. It's uh, he saw the saturation dial and turned that up all the way on the colors. The guy has never met a an actor that was over top over the top enough for him. Mm -hmm. And it's just not a good movie. Mike, Brian, any thoughts on the prom? I'll let Brian take this one. The the first uh, <laughs> little bit of the prom that I saw was was far too much for me. <laughs> and like, you know, it's it, it's really too bad because there is there is some talent here that I'm not going to say it drew me to watch the movie, but I mean, I know Nicole Kidman has produced some awesome work. I largely don't Meryl mind. Streep's in it too. Meryl, yeah, Meryl Streep. Streep. Yes, exactly. But then you get beyond that and it just starts to get, it, it just, I don't know. It's, I'll, it's, I'll, I'll tell you what my wife said after watching five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Or maybe it was a little bit longer than five minutes. This is my wife is a, uh, a person that should love this movie and she absolutely despised it too. <laughs> and she said the worst part of it is James Corden, who yep. is by all accounts, oh, a likable yeah. guy. Well, I shouldn't say all accounts. There are some pretty horrendous stories online about him. But, I mean, at least the way he's presented on his TV show. He seems sure. like a decent enough guy. But for some reason, Ryan Murphy cast a presumably straight actor to play a gay character who isn't just, like, you know, a gay character, but seems to be kind of the prototypical straight-out-of-casting gay character, right? Mm -hmm. And it is... Yeah, it's just kind of offensive <laughs> and yeah. surprising that this is James Corden. And yeah, so that's a turnoff too. Uh, it wouldn't be offensive if it was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like if he was good in it, people would, you know, be like, all right, you know, it worked, but he's terrible. He's yeah. just awful. And even Meryl Streep was causing me to roll my eyes in this movie, mm -hmm. which is, it, it's just, it's cheese turned up to 11 with a bunch of glitter and colors and it I hated it. I really hated it. Yeah, and and what's interesting are there are wildly differing opinions on this movie. Yeah. Us and the and the people that we discussed this list with would agree that it is bad, but there are there's some people out there saying that this is an Oscar-worthy movie, which, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. Um <laughs> really quick, like there is like when you look at the phrase over the top, which like you can use that to describe this film. Uh, uh -huh. I mean, there, there is a point where you can go too far over the top to where it just, it just, it's like, um, you know, those, those de-evolution scenes in altered states, uh, <laughs> or, or, or the traveling through the light corridor in 2001, a space odyssey. It just okay. gets to that point. And that is what I would, you know, I guess akin this movie to this is this year's Cats. Let's just put it that way. This Cats was also be... this year, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. Technically, year? that was a 2019. Sure. Okay. And wasn't James Corden also in that one? Yes, it no. was also was also very terrible. Oh boy. Yeah, and 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 a quick shout out for the trifecta. James Corden was also in Super Intelligence, which is not a great movie either. Yeah. yeah. So not a great 2020 for Corey. Great year. <laughs> uh, and and to top it all off, I, I alluded to this earlier, but when the whole Ellen DeGeneres is a bad person thing started happening, people just came out of the woodwork to share stories about how James Corden's a terrible person, too. So, yeah, he's probably ready for 2021 as well. Yeah. OK. All right. So another movie that 
kind of came out pre-COVID and should have come out in 2019, but was, I guess, canceled and then delayed for ridiculous reasons, is The Hunt. I want to present this to you guys. Remember those pre-COVID days when we were all arguing over a Blumhouse film that was going to ignite the whole country in a huge culture war? Totally. <laughs> and then it was released and it did nothing? Yeah. Uh, this is okay. So this is the hunt. Those were the days. Yeah, <laughs> the hunt is a movie that is probably best known for the things it's not, which is uh, what Jason Blum said it was going to be, which he compared it to the uh, culturally significant film like Get Out. It's a movie that pit what would you say the quote unquote deplorables, which are these kind of conservative conspiracy theory theory believing kind of southerners they're on the run on an island or wherever from people who are the social or the 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 elites the leftist elites who want to kill them it's what mike do you want to take it from here it's pretty pretty edgy right <laughs> that's the problem is that this movie for all the the hoopla that it got and all of the you know the promotion saying that it was going to be edgy really wasn't it pulled its punches. It was super bland, and it was a bunch of caricatures of, you know, Fox News and MSNBC people just kind of being violent with each other. And it was ultimately just a, a bland, purposeless film that didn't really have anything to say. So I, I just I, I'm confused why all these big names like, you know, Nick Hughes, Damon Lindelof, Betty Gilpin again. I'm sorry, Betty. Um <laughs> But, you know, there, Hillary Swank's in this, Ike Barinholtz. There's a lot of people that, you know, you'd expect better from, but uh, just nothing, man. It's, yeah, and the director, uh, Craig Zobel, or yeah. Zobel, is a, a promising director. He's, he's a pretty decent guy. And, and I think what killed this movie, obviously, is – you know, that that maxim that uh, bad press is, is still good press. You know, there's, there's no such thing as bad press. For, yeah. In this case, there definitely was because this movie is it's a movie that aimed to troll both sides. And yeah. in doing so, it made both sides really upset before <laughs> it had the chance to be released. And yeah. It, and so all these people got just outraged about a movie that didn't deserve your outrage. If yeah. you're outraged at this movie, it should be about how just dumb it is. Yep. Uh, Brian, any thoughts about the hunt? I I don't believe you watched the hunt. Um, I don't blame you, but any thoughts on that whole like controversy about it? No, I do remember the controversy. Uh, I think didn't. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Trump even like step yeah. in at one point? Like, yeah, yeah, he so, contemned it. Yeah. So I don't know. I. Yeah, I didn't see this film, but the I, I will say that the that the controversy did play a small role in my decision to not see it. It just, but that also is you know just a small part of it. It just didn't look very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. at the end of the day, very simply, it just did not look very good. And you know, normally I I don't mind Jason Blum, but he he really can produce some some stinkers so <laughs> sorry jason blum but he said and 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 this is interesting because uh to put this in perspective the hunt was originally supposed to come out in 2019 and because of all the fury and outrage about it it was pulled from the schedule 
and then eventually was released, I believe, on March 13th, which is like the the day that it will forever be known as like the the covid day it's the day that everything <laughs> kind of shut down happy covid day yeah and so um but this movie came out after the invisible man which is a great movie mm-hmm. and so jason blum was riding high people were like oh my god he's a genius and he said uh in promoting the hunt he says i don't know where's the next get out or what's going to happen next after the invisible man we have the hunt and i think the hunt is going to really reverberate culturally and i'm very excited about that that came out of nowhere, too, so I don't know where the next one comes from, but I'm always on the lookout. So he clearly was trying to say, like, hey, you like to get out? You like Invisible Man? Get ready. The hunt's going to be that next cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oof, not so much. Moving on to the last film in our top 10 most disappointing films of 2020 is, I guess, will ever forever go down in history as the first quote unquote major movie to hit theaters after they reopened during the pandemic, which is unhinged directed by Derek Bort. This movie stars Russell Crowe and he's unhinged guys. Cause he drives a pickup truck and he's mad at a lady because she talked back at him and he's going to kill her, I guess. So <laughs> road rage. Yeah. It's, it's road rage. The movie Mike, any quick thoughts of un- unhinged? Uh, you know, for all of these movies that are on this list, I'd say this one offended me the least just because it's, it's pretty, it's paced pretty well. Russell Crowe is absolutely bonkers in a fa- in a kind of fascinating way. Like nothing is, is completely special about the movie, but it is for, for my money, it was pretty entertaining as far as just watching, uh, Russell Crowe be absolutely insane uh, in a movie that otherwise without his performance would have been very, very boring. Well, so I think the the reason is disappointing yes. is you do have Russell Crowe, who is a good actor. Still to this day, he produces good work, uh, more times than not, I should say. And in this movie, he plays uh, what should be like the very clear villain. And instead, for some reason... They decide to do kind of a both sides thing with this movie where it should be evil Russell Crowe, insane Russell Crowe stalking a sweet woman and her kid. But it turns into a movie that tries to say that, well, Russell Crowe's characters, you know, he had a bad day and he, <laughs> you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Right. And that woman, by the way, the movie says she's not all that great either. Her friends no. make fun of her. And she's a pretty terrible person, so you can kind of see why he'd want to murder her. And that is just, like, the wrong take, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that it tries to redeem Russell Crowe at all. It, I mean, the movie opens with him just going into someone's house and murdering them, probably because of a previous road rage incident. So I don't think he's redeemable at all in this movie, but it's still <laughs> – yeah, there's a reason it's on this list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, disappointing that it didn't save cinema. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, Russell. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to shout out the if you guys have not seen this, it's a video that I shared with my co-host today. But in the promotion of this movie, Russell Crowe tries to uh, like blur the lines of what is uh, in character and, and just Russell Crowe, where he tries to play kind of an unhinged guy talking shit about cinema and fuckwads and all this. It's 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 really kind of 
bonkers is really the only word for it. And he tries to make unhinged to seem super crazy and, and, oh my gosh, you gotta see this movie. And, uh, he oversells it for sure. That's the top 10, but like with any of these lists, we got some honorable mentions, but this time we're calling them dishonorable mentions. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. So really quickly here, we're just going to fly through some, uh, films here. We got Spencer confidential. It's a Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg joint in Asher Liberto's review on our site. He says it isn't playful enough to be a spoof, even though the dialogue is so ham-fisted that it's hard to imagine it being serious. This confidential is the cinematic equivalent of spending life in prison, two hours of macho bluster featuring big cantankerous chucklehead slugging it out. Um, that about says it. Any thoughts on that yeah. one? It's the same same thing with Coffee and Kareem or The Lovebirds or any of these buddy cop movies that have come out uh, in the past years with you know Melissa McCarthy or whatever – this is it's the same movie over and over and over and over again and it's always poorly written and it always has some big star that's that's going to put it over the top but it ends up just being this bland thing that you've seen over and over again and this is just no exception it's terrible yeah okay so next we're gonna go to run which is a movie that recently came out on hulu and admittedly is getting fairly good reviews but playlist editor-in-chief rodrigo perez absolutely hated the movie and in his review he says anish Chaganti's god-awful run deeply fails on every level. There's barely any suspense, thrills, or surprise. The deck is always infuriatingly stacked against Chloe and her various states of cap- captivity. And when the comeuppance finally arrives, there's little, if any, satisfying catharsis. Uh, yeah, so watch it. You can make your own decisions. We weren't big fans. Next, we have The War with Grandpa. This is uh, the Robert De Niro movie, uh, his comedy that came out and kind of came and went really quickly in 2020. And uh, I want to go to Brian. This is a movie you love, right? Yeah, I, I love it so much. I'll never see it again. Um, <laughs> I you know, re- like really fast. I the the author uh, of the book on which this is based. Uh, I I loved the book as a kid. He also wrote another book called Mostly Michael, which shares some of those same characters from that book in a Robert Kimmel Smith reverse sort of thing. So yeah, I was, I'm not going to say I was looking forward to the war with grandpa, but I've been aware of this movie for quite some time. I think it was even shelved at one point. Yeah. And then I like, I think just out of nowhere, I suddenly learned, Oh my gosh, this movie is out now. So I have to see it. I mean, it's De Niro. It's an author I loved as a kid and yeah, that, that's. <laughs> I mean, are are we are we done with Robert De Niro at this point in time? Like, well, that's a hot take, sir. I mean, uh, I don't. That just that movie really just really worried me as to not only the future of De Niro but just the future of adapting children's books. Like that one, I just I I got the feeling the director who I do I don't know their name has never seen uh, a movie that it was based on a book before. Because, yeah. Um, So to answer your question, no, we are not done with Robert De Niro. He actually has a new Scorsese movie coming out, Killers of the Moon. It sounds like it's going to be interesting. Okay, Uh, sure. But there are definitely two Robert De Niros, right? There's (laughs) Scorsese Robert De Niro that we all love. And then there's comedy Robert De Niro. (laughs) Dirty Grandpa Robert De Niro. uh, (laughs) It started okay enough with the Meet the Parents. But it has progressively gone downhill over the past 15, 20 years, right? Yeah, it's awful. 
That's all so, I got. I, yeah. I don't <laughs> want to talk about him. <laughs> Asher uh, Asher Liberto wrote the review for this as well. Him and Jason Bailey. I'm sorry, guys. We get you to re- review some terrible movies. He wrote, despite its family-friendly premise, nothing is kid-friendly. Beyond the fact that many of these gags are gross and predictable, there's a meanness to this film that's at war with the feel-good tone. He called it lame compared to Home Alone. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have... Kind of a tricky one to talk about. We're going to talk about A Rainy Day in New York. This movie, like a few of the others that we've mentioned, has its own production issues. It was on the shelf for a long time because Woody Allen decided to talk about Me Too again, which brought up his whole past. And Amazon said, oh, great. Uh, We're going to cancel our contract with you. So good luck. And this movie took a while to come out. Finally, it came out uh, this year worldwide. I think just recently in the U.S., actually. And in Andrew Crump's review, he said the film is dated more so than most Latter-day Allen works and torturously unfunny. A Rainy Day in New York has a pretty nostalgic sheen that at least does his audience the favor of making the movie nice to look at. But the aesthetic is window dressing and the second rate material is insulting. And this is all aside from how individual viewers feel about art versus artist. All that to say, apparently doesn't matter if you like Woody Allen or not. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> Moving on to our last dishonorable mention, I want to talk about Ava, or better yet, I want Mike to talk about Ava and give me his <laughs> one-sentence review of Ava. Trite, boring, same old kind of spy film with terrible, terrible acting from great actors and bland direction from, uh, you know, some rando named Tate Taylor. <laughs> Uh, uh, you're he, underselling Tate Taylor. So, I mean, I know I like the help. The girl on the train was was iffy. Ma, it is what it is. But Ava is is probably the lowest of the low as far as the movies I've seen of his. So, I mean, it's got Colin Farrell. I love Colin Farrell. But, you know, even he's made some questionable choices. John Malkovich, he's not even interesting. And And John Malkovich is traditionally very interesting, even in bad movies. Uh, and I'm looking at you, Rounders. Pay this man <laughs> his money. Uh, love, love, love that movie because of him. But, um, but we got to talk about the you're bearing the lead, Jessica Chastain. This isn't just yeah. Jessica Chastain as the lead as Ava. I th- I believe she produced this movie. It was her teaming up with Tate Taylor again. This had uh, all the makings of what could have been, you know, Jessica Chastain's big jump into action, and it's not good. No, it's it's everything's fairly predictable and everything is just not well executed. There was no point where I was like wrapped into this movie. Well, there you go. And on that note, I want to transition a little bit because we just spent about an hour talking about how terrible movies were in 2020. And (laughs) and it may seem like we are just taking pleasure in crapping all over them. And we really aren't. That's why these are disappointing is the reason we're so passionate about these movies is these are movies that we actually genuinely were looking forward to mostly and just came away completely uh, angry at the world. I guess that's the best way to talk about it <laughs> in a year world. where we had plenty to be angry at. So let's quickly, since we're, we're ending the year here, I want to go to both of you. We'll start with Brian. Uh, how about you give me your favorite movie of the year? And then some other movies you think are uh, not getting mentioned that people should go out of their way to watch. 
So, Brian, you first. Favorite movie of the year, uh, Invisible Man. It has shown up on a lot of lists. So, yeah, Invisible Man really, really blew me away. Surprise is so high on your list. That's, I mean, I, I agree. It's a great movie, but that's that's pretty impressive for number one. It's like it's the sort of movie that I just don't want to see very often because I want to always feel feel fresh. So I think <laughs> we're probably at that point now that I'll watch it again soon. Uh, it's been a little while, but uh, other movies loved Guns Akimbo. That that I know I, I disagree there. I, I understand. <laughs> but boy, did I have fun. That soundtrack, this this to me with the soundtrack and the, the pace of the film to me felt like what Sucker Punch was trying to do. Oh, uh, so I felt <laughs> okay. like it was a, a better sucker punch. Ugh. And if Daniel Radcliffe keeps taking roles like this, I am on board for whatever he does. I will give uh, Daniel Radcliffe credit. The man knows how to pick a fun role. Uh, he'll yeah. always be my favorite because of Swiss Army Man. So. Uh, I was yeah. going to say Swiss Army Man. Exactly. But let's move on from that terrible choice to actually good movies you've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What else? There's uh, The Way Back, which... I think has been mostly forgotten. That was another right before the pandemic. Come on, uh, Ben release. Affleck deserves something for that. He deserves something. You know, it's not the sort of movie that I'm going to see very often at all. It's it's really a very sad movie, but he he gives it in, in one of I would say his best performances. Well, you don't really have to perform when you know you're really going for alcoholism at the time of shooting. So exactly when you're living <laughs> living the character, you're living the role. Uh, Yes, and it's very much, you know, we've seen this coach taking on a underperforming basketball team thing before. We've seen it, but somehow all the pieces came together, and I, I thought it worked. But like I said, I'll probably and I think it, never see I think, it again. <laughs> yeah, I think it benefits from Affleck's personal touch. Like, yeah, yeah, you can, he's almost playing himself, and, you know, good on him for, for really, like, diving into what is a pretty raw thing. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, one other movie that you want to shout out. The Vast of Night. Please, everyone, see this movie. It, I mean, it's not it's not number one, but there are times where I feel like it it should be close to number one. It's uh, this one, very simple premise about some strange uh, supernatural events that are happening. Not even supernatural. Noise. But noise. Yes, that's plaguing this small town in the 50s. It's got the the script. And the staging, these great one-take shots, I still think it could work really well as a stage play. But as it is, I cannot wait to see what the director has next. I think this was shot on like a really small budget too. Yeah, so, you can tell. Yeah, really, I, I, I thought this one was great. I've seen it a few times now, and I, I will probably watch it again very soon. Great. Mike, favorite movie of the year? And give us a couple uh, shout-outs you want to give some love to. Yeah, my two favorites that are, are kind of tied at the top of the list right now are Sound of Metal and Another Round. We've covered them both in, in previous podcasts. I will say again quickly, see those freaking movies. They're really, really great, <laughs> solid movies. I, I will throw this in there just because I know Charles hates it. Tenet, see Tenet if you have not seen Tenet yet. Um, A little and, uh, pull back the curtain for people. I was fighting hard for Tenet to be on the most disappointed list. I oh. This has been months of me and Mike arguing back and forth about this movie. I, yeah, okay. I can't wait for us to watch it together and have a commentary on it. I, uh. I really <laughs> want to see your your side of things here. But I, I can't. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a, a really fun uh, entertaining film. 
but shout outs as far as what I want to kind of point out. A lot of my list is, you know, you've seen a lot of it on other other people's top tens. So I'm going to skip a lot of them and just go to my honorable mentions to ones that I feel like aren't giving lo- getting a lot of love. And that is one of them is Underwater. It is a uh, William Eubank movie um, that stars Kristen Stewart and Vincent Castle and T.J. Miller, John Gallagher Jr., Jessica Henwick. Uh, a lot of solid actors doing really, you know, serviceable acting work for their parts. It's it's not like this wholly original uh, sci-fi film, but it is a really effective, well-made, you know, well-paced uh, thriller that takes place underwater. It kind of mixes Alien and uh, that 80s like underwater movie Leviathan and Ooh, uh, you know a little bit of Deep Blue Sea in there. A lot of good like underwater movies. And yes, you've seen all of it before, but this is so well executed that you know you're at least entertained throughout. Uh, it doesn't really have a lot to say or anything like that, but I, I I had a lot of fun watching it, and I I thought everybody did really well with their parts and. Uh, I enjoy William Eubank, uh, you know, personally, I, I've seen another one of his uh, movies that I was really into a couple of years back was called The Signal with him and Lawrence Fishburne. I'll just shout that out real quick. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Possessor. Check that out. But uh, the rest of them, you know, you'll you'll see all over people's top tens. Good, good, good. And on uh, my top ten. Yeah, I, I agree. My favorite movie of the year. And it is similar to a 1A, 1B kind of situation might even be a 1A, 1B, 1C situation. Uh, Minari right now is my favorite movie of the year. Not a lot of people have seen it, unfortunately. And I can't tell you to go out and see it because I don't think it's actually going to hit theaters like February or March. But definitely when it does, make it make a thing of it. Go see it. Nomadland, great, great movie. Deserves all the love. And I want to second or third Sound of Metal. Fucking great movie. And okay. Tenet, yeah, okay. <laughs> not Tenet, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. But to to go a little bit under the radar here, some movies that I, I really quickly want to touch on. Boy State, which is a documentary um, that I saw months ago when it was playing the festivals virtually, of course. And it's this really good documentary about uh, these boys in Texas who join this prestigious summer program where they have to run for this fake office to be governor of a fake you know, state. And it, it's incredible to see these teenage boys kind of – act out these uh, issues that we talk about so often. And uh, it's really good. And I want to also talk about Swallow. Swallow is a movie that uh, has Haley Bennett in it. Hillbilly (laughs) Elegy's Haley Bennett. Yes, yes. Uh, This is actually a good movie with her in it, though. This movie is uh, about a woman who develops uh, pica, and she has to doesn't have to, but she feels compelled to eat random things and swallow them. Thus, the title It's incredibly well acted. Her performance is one of the best of the year, and it is a beautiful movie, too. Um, I defy anybody to watch that movie, not to want to move into her house after you see this one. A second vast of night. Go see it. Amazon Prime. You can watch it now. And then one that Mike turned me on to that I finally got around to watching is Host, which is on Shudder. It is a horror movie that is filmed via Zoom, and it was made during the pandemic, and it's only an hour long, and it's really good and scary. And my I've watched it twice now. First time, I scared the crap out of myself. Second time, I subjected uh, family members to it. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely it's a fun one to watch. And finally, another doc is American Murder. 
The Family Next Door. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, I'm a huge true crime junkie, and normally those Netflix docu-series kind of feel a little bit long, and, you know, they go a bit kind of off the rails a little bit, but this is just a documentary. It's like an hour and a half, and it's a story that we've heard quite a bit about a well, it's a famous story, but but the 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 murder that happens in the in the story is uh, something that we've seen happen time and time again. But the what separates this movie from other true crime is the delivery. Everything is told via video and Facebook messages, and it's this really incredible look at how a murder happens by only looking at the social media posts the home videos and body cam footage. It's uh, just an experiment on next level true crime filmmaking. Very effective. Yeah. And, and it is emotional. The end of this movie just kind of, it's a gut punch and it's, Oh, you'll be so depressed after seeing that. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Yeah. I agree with you. That one was really compelling. All the ring footage and everything. I've never seen a documentary quite like that before. Yeah. And again, it's on Netflix. You can watch it now and it doesn't take 10 hours of your time. You can uh, watch it, uh, let it depress the hell out of you and then, you know, try to cram in more of the office before that leaves at the end. (laughs) So before we wrap up, is there anything you guys want to say? Any movies that you feel like we need to quickly talk about? Outside of Tenet. No, I would say I'd say that's about it. Okay, Brian, you good? Uh, yeah, outside of tenant. No, I'd say I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, again, I know we were pretty negative on movies, but all things considered, I think 2020 was a pretty great year for film, given especially all of the uphill battle we've, these studios have had to, to release movies and theaters have had trying to get people to go. So definitely keep supporting films. Even if we say it's disappointing, give a film a shot, you know? Uh, maybe unhinged is what you need or you know if you love musicals and bright colors the prom's for you or you know eh, no avoid the new mutants <laughs> hey one man's trash you know one man's trash no sometimes trash is trash you can only shine a turd so much right like That's let's true. be honest okay well uh on that note i want to thank you guys for joining me and uh we'll come back soon so thank you mike and brian bye 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 Thank you.